Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I stared at him. I didn't believe in ghosts or fairies or gods, and for the last couple of days, I'd been like a man watching a magic show. I'd expected a magician to step out from behind the curtain and ask me to pick a card, any card. I wasn't ready to believe in ghosts, but that's the thing about empirical experience. It's the real thing. And if ghosts were real? Is this where you tell me that there's a secret branch of the Met whose task it is to tackle ghosts, ghouls, Fairies, demons, witches and warlocks, elves and goblins, I said. I mean, you can stop me before I run out of supernatural creatures. You haven't even scratched the surface, said Nightingale. <laughs> Peter Grant's channeling his Tim Wright there. Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we take a book out for a walk into the wild to see if the world of fiction matches up with the real world. I'm Lloyd Shepard. I'm a digital producer and writer. Hello, I'm Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of immersive experiences. Wow. Okay. So immersive experiences that yeah, that's right. freak like with your, uh, that freak with your uh, notions of reality. Oh, God, I know where you're going What now. is real anyway? Oh. What is real and what is fictional? Nothing is real. So Tim's been on a bit of a journey. A uh, quest. A quest. <laughs> a quest to find his inner nerd over the last few episodes. We, we, we did Neverwhere. Yeah. Uh, and then we did Hawksmoor. Yeah. Weird London in two flavors. We've now Thank got another flavor of Weird London. Yeah, what is it? I'm flagging. We're doing Rivers of London by Ben Aranovich. Yeah, and I'd never heard of this book, but they're very, very popular. It's a series. There's about nine or ten of these they're books. They're very, very popular. This one was published in 2011. Yep. Since then, he's written a whole series of books and graphic novels and novellas and short stories. It's turned into a real industry. And audio books. It's, yeah. all, it's yeah. everywhere. He's done very, very well out of it. The book tells the story of Peter Grant, who's a metropolitan police officer. Yeah, not, not the manager of Led Zeppelin. Not the manager of Led Zeppelin. Uh, and he sees a weird event in Covent Garden on a cold January night he sees a ghost yes and that's the start of his introduction to well, the the, uh, the world of magic oh, yes. as represented by his uh, soon to be boss Nightingale yeah who is a wizard yes and runs the secret police department of yeah. uh, of wizardy crime and meets uh, the uh, characters who are the rivers of London who are river nymphs yeah 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 yeah, and so he got, quite fancies one of them, doesn't he? Quite he quite fancies one yeah. of them, yeah. So we're funny funny about, how all the female nymphs are quite sexy, isn't We're it? going to be talking about rivers, <laughs> and we're going to go to a locations of quite a few rivers. Yeah, uh, we've been to some good places for this yeah, one. Yeah, that is good. We're going to be talking about magic. Yeah. We're going to be talking about uh, places in London, lots of places Yeah, lots in London. of London history. One of the good things about him being a nerd is he's a real London nerd. He's a real London nerd. So when you walk around London with this book in your hand and he goes off and on a riff, even his his hero, Peter Grant, is a London nerd and, they, and starts talking about the history stuff. Yeah. Quite a lot of it's nearly true. Yeah. So he's our guy in lots of ways. Yes, um, yes. In lots of ways, he's more my guy than your guy. In lots of ways. In lots of ways. So where are we going to first? Well, what we're going to do, as you might know, listener, if you're a regular listener, we do the podcast in two parts. 
And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get part two straight away, but otherwise you have to wait a week. Nice early plug. Thank you very much. But it makes more sense, I thought, in this, that rather than following just the straight story of the book, what we've done is we've decided to follow Father Thames, who is the father of all the male river nymphs, mm-hmm. weirdly. Is well, he's not, the father of the all hang out with above him. Teddington Lock. Basically, all the bloke nymphs hang out with each other above Teddington. Yeah, and all the lady nymphs. All the lady nymphs are, further, yeah. Yeah, are quite near Ben's house. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what we thought we'd do is we'll do above Teddington Lock part one. Yeah. And then we'll do London nymphs yeah. in part two. Okay. <laughs> You're really struggling, aren't you? <laughs> Shrewsbury Mead, early afternoon, under a powder blue sky. According to the Ordnance Survey, this is where the Thames first rises, 130 straight-line kilometres west of London. Just to the north is the site either of an Iron Age hill fort or a Roman encampment, the exact nature of which is waiting an episode of Time Team. Apparently there is a soggy field, a stone to mark the spot, and a chance, after a particularly wet winter, that you might see some water. You approach down a minor road that turns to gravel once you're past the private houses it was built to serve. The line of the river is marked by a dense stand of trees and the source of the Thames is beyond that. In the field beyond was the court of the old man of the river. The field beyond? So I think it's that. Over there. It comes from that side. Yeah. So we should say, listener, you can hear lots of lovely country sounds. Mm-hmm birds we had a plane the one thing you can't hear is any water (laughs) we're sitting actually on the on the stone that was set here in the 70s Mm. marking the head of the river thames yeah and it's just beyond above uh, a pile of stones which we think marks where the spring is Mm -hmm. but there's no river (laughs) there is no river in fact it's all quite dry it is very isn't it and we're not even sure this is the... I know there's a stone here. Well, I have a very good piece by a friend of the show, Matt Brown. Oh, yeah. Who wrote in Londonist. Actually, this year, he was here a few months ago. It's over there, you can't miss it, but it's very underwhelming. So warns a fellow pilgrim who's made the trek out to Trewsbury Mead, which is where we are, southwest of Sirencester, in search of the Thames headwater. He has a point. The hole from which London's great river springs is drier than the track we used to get here. You can only see it following heavy rain. Nevertheless, this remote field has long held the accolade as the source of the Thames. The trouble is, there are uh, actually better candidates. And they are? Seven springs. Well, that's more hopeful already. The Shrewsbury Mead might be the traditional source, but there's a much more convincing candidate 11 miles away towards Cheltenham. You'll find it beside a handy lay-bar on the A436 in a small hamlet known, for reasons you can guess, as Seven Springs. Ah. Here, down some steps in a small dell, seven trickles of water fall into a pool. These natural springs are the source of the river Churn, which is a tributary of the Thames. Ah. But the point is, as the sign points out, if we include the Churn as part of the Thames, then we add 14 miles to the length of the river, because it's 14 miles further west. So normally you'd expect the westernmost point to be the source. Yes. But if you add that 14 miles to the length of the river, it would make the Thames longer than the Severn. And it would be officially the longest river in the UK, rather than just the longest river in England. So you, with your Welsh blood, would probably not want to add that, would you? Um, well, if I'm, you're counting the Severn as a Welsh river, are you? I'm counting the Severn as a Welsh river. Yeah, I thought you might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also Seven Springs is a higher elevation than Trewsbury Mead. The other thing to note is that Peter, Peter Grant, drives in to here yes. directly off the road down a gravel path and gets yeah. to the field and just parks up. We tried, listener. Yeah, you can't do that. No. Because you have to go through Trewsbury Farm. It's private. Well, there's Trewsbury Farm and there's also an estate, yeah. which is uh, private as well. Yeah. So, so either they flash their uh, their warrant we, cards. And well, we just drove down there thinking, if anyone stops me, I'm going to tell them I'm the police, mate. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Well, it's probably what they did. Uh, and then he parked up down there and then came out to here, yeah, right? But then so. how did old Father Thames and his family get here if it wasn't the same way? And how did they get permission to uh, set well, up a... Well, 
here we are because we've driven down here and there were an enormous number of cars parked up on the side of the road, on the edge of the estate. All, loads of people with binoculars. Men and women wearing gilets and yeah. country wear. Country wear. Binoculars. Lot, Land Rovers, Range Rovers. A few shooting sticks. Yeah. And, and I was and like, my, what are they doing? Well, my first hunch was that a very rare bird had been spotted uh-huh. and that, that all the twitchers of Gloucestershire had... Had, they were a had, little bit too well Had got the call. I thought they were a bit well healed for twitchers. Then we saw two people on horses, uh, one of them with a red jacket on, oh, and wow. realised... It's a hunt. There's probably a hunt. And then they've all come onto the edge of the estate to just to, I don't know what, look at dogs running around yeah. and horses. Very odd way to spend your day, yeah. he says, standing at the non-existent <laughs> source of the Thames, which is mentioned in a book, and I've driven all the way from London to see it. Yeah, so there's no... There's no travellers here anymore, but the, you, I was wondering whether that's that's what they've become. For, that his family have become they become quite well healed. Did well and out instead of, the, of caravans and in the field, they're now in Range Rovers. Did well out the triple lock pension. And they're guarantee. having a hunt every now and again. Yeah, don't you think? We all know, don't we? Well, we know a few um, hippies and uh, levellers and yes. types from the eighties. Never who, trust them. Who are now all in golf clubs? Completely right. We all know. We all know those people. Well, that's old Father Thames. He's joined a golf club. He's bought a Range Rover, and now he watches hunts. And finally, he's put some clothes on. Because yeah. have you seen pictures of him? Well, the silver he loves to shake it all about. So, well, I was every, actually... Every statue I've seen of Father Thames, you're saying, put some pants on, man. It's weird, because he quite often has a robe, Yeah. and then he doesn't cover up. No pants. I wonder whether that's his swimming towel that he puts out. A dry robe. <laughs> the Father Thames dry robe. That would well, sell that, like hot cakes. It really would. It really would. <laughs> That is Q-Spec merchandise right there. Hello everybody. As well as being known as the Mighty Thames, it's also called sometimes Old Father Thames. And the song goes like this. High in the hills, down in the dales, happy and fancy free. Old Father Thames keeps rolling along down to the mighty sea. What does he know? What does he care? Nothing for you or me. Old Father Thames keeps rolling along down to the So we've come to the point where we would talk about the author, the author, the author, mm. Ben Aranovich. Ben Aranovich. Born in 1964. Mm, my age. I find. He's the same age as you. Very similar life story. Very similar. Very similar. Um, his uh, his father was a senior member of the Communist Party and an economist. Very similar. Yeah. My, my father was the managing director of a brush factory. He is a resolutely committed Londoner, is he not? He is, very much so. And so uh, we love, he loves we love him for that. He yeah. loves London. I mean, it's a great book for us because he doesn't make up locations. No. Now, in terms of his bio, he started off as a TV guy, scriptwriter, for guess what? Doctor Who. <laughs> I've seen so much. You know, yeah, you're not going to like this reference, by the way. My best friend Kerry, when her husband gets kind of irritated by something, yeah. she says he puts on his Klingon face, <laughs> which is when the, you know the the brow furrows up. You're doing Klingon face all the time at the moment. <laughs> well, don't make me read these books. <laughs> All I'm surprised is that Peter Ackroyd's never written an episode of Doctor Who. No. Well, I'm it probably amazed. Go, it would go on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wrote two, epi- two, ser- two storylines well, of Doctor he, Who. I think he became the script editor for a Late while 80s. as well. Late 80s. Late 80s. 88? I th- understand the ratings weren't that good. No. And he was moved on to become um, a writer on Casualty. Mm. That's your reward for being bad at Doctor Who. <laughs> At the BBC. Wow, okay. So it's Doctor Who fans and Casualty fans tuning in. <laughs> Boom. Now, to be fair, he has said that his television career was not as he would have liked it. I no. think it's fair to say. And then as a result of that, I mean, all his writing work for TV sort of dry, dried up as far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah. So he went to work in a bookshop. Yeah, from, for large parts of the 1990s, he was working in Waterstones Covent Garden. Which is relevant, isn't which it? Because Covent Garden is the centre of this book. He was running the science fiction and crime of course sections. 
Yeah. And I think he talks very well about sort of coming up with the idea for Rivers of London while he was working in those sections. Yeah. He says he sort of, he had sort of the whole thing and, you know, all the characters in, in his head. And he wrote the first 10 or 20 pages or something. And he read it back. And the interview I saw with him said, I wasn't saying whether it was good or bad, but I knew it would sell. Yes. Well, I think if you so work quite... in a bookshop, that's a re- you know you would know what's yeah. shifting, wouldn't you? Yeah. And you so, understand uh, that. You know, when we were st- we, there's another bit coming up, listener, where we we try and check out a gastro pub on Neil Street in Soho, which he he knows that area so well because of his bookshop mm-hmm. experience, and we worked out that. The only reason he might know this place is because it's quite near Forbidden Planet. Yeah, a lot of his book. interviews are with Forbidden Planet. <laughs> well, you wouldn't let me go to Forbidden Planet. No, I'm not going there. I think I should have made you go in there. No, no, no. I've been in there. I've been in there. I think I should have made you some quality time. But he said, Ben Aronovich, that his whole weekend when he was a sort of teenager was go on the st- to the cinema on the Strand, watch a Star Wars movie, go to Games Workshop, presumably on Oxford Street, and then have a good old rummage and browse in Forbidden Planet and then go home. That was... Th- I'm not sure Forbidden Planet was there when he was a teenager. Well, that's what he, well, maybe he's talking about when he's older. Yeah, maybe yeah, he's yeah. even older. But that yeah. was his basically his, his. That's how he spent his Saturdays. Yeah. Well, and he said he was a bit. He said it's a problem with Peter Grant, his main character, that he's younger than he is because he wants to write loads of Star Wars references and jokes. That but Peter Grant wouldn't do that. He'd, no. he'd be doing Harry Potter jokes or something. He, he would. He? Yeah. Uh, so there are no had, Harry Potter jokes in this book, as far as I can tell. Well, apparently he says. Ben Aronovich, he says that he puts two, he limits himself, he gives himself the rule that he only puts two Monty Python jokes in every novel. <laughs> Such a <laughs> That's what he said. That's not me. I didn't make that up. I know. You, you, there's a, there's a, when I say he's such a nerd, that's a good thing. Oh, okay. I love the, I love the fact that you do a podcast that's all about dates and locations and books and you think somehow you're not a nerd. <laughs> Different kind of nerd. <laughs> Very different, very different. And also one who doesn't... I, the other interview I saw with him was on Criminal Element. Have you seen this one? The reason why he's a different kind of nerd to me is he's got your vocabulary, is that he talks about... They talk about your process. What's your key to balancing backstory with forward momentum? It's one of those kind of blogs. Yeah. I love the way you assume such a high degree of conscious control over my writing. It's very flattering. First off, I try not to repeat myself too much from one book to the next. I try to ensure that aspects of the premise, setting and story are unique to the particular book. Secondly, I try to add variety to both the detail about such mundane things as policing or architecture and to the legendarium surrounding the magic in the series. He lost me at legendarium. What legendarium. is a legendarium? Well, it's, it's world building, mate, isn't it? It's the Bible. It's his Bible. Okay. And you know the other word that he likes to use? Uh, No. Liminal. Well, excellent word. Right from the start, the Rivers of London series has been about the liminal area where things intersect. (gasps) Peter's working class background intersecting with Nightingale's posh one. Old meets new. Science meets magic. Procedure meets wild caprice. A world city that is also a national capital. Outward versus inward. The future versus the past. I try to thread my plots through this closely woven fabric so that it leaves as few holes as possible. That's brilliant. Yeah. You've got to like that, haven't you? Well, apart from the use of the word liminal. Okay. The thing about reading is it it takes you places and it takes you to real places. And I know that sounds really strange coming from a fiction writer who writes fantasy novels about magicians and ghosts and, and fantastic creatures. But it takes you to real places, even if sometimes those real places are, look strange or, or imaginary. Sometimes the imaginary places shine a light on the real places in a way that you cannot, they, they cut through the murk. Father Thames had his throne near the priory in the shade of an ancient yew tree. Around him were arrayed his sons, their wives and grandchildren in all their donkey-jacketed and side-burned glory. All of them silently watched our approach as if Beverly were a reluctant widow in a Bollywood melodrama. 
The throne itself was constructed of old-fashioned rectangular hay bales of the type I happen to know are no longer common in British farming practice, draped with elaborately embroidered horse blankets. For this occasion, the old man of the river had been stuffed into his best suit and his beard and hair combed until it was just scruffy-looking. That's not... Yeah, there you are. There you are. I am... I, I have, my beard is combed. Till it was just And I'm scruffy just scruffy-looking. Looking. And you're in the shadow... Of an ancient yew tree. In an ancient yew tree, near a priory. We are sitting... I, I quite like to think that instead of hay bales... Hay bales? The king of... <laughs> The king of the river was sat on this bench that we're sitting on. Yes. In front of the Anna... An, I can, can't pronounce it. Ankawik? The Ankawik Yew. Yes. Beneath which the ancient kings of Anglo-Saxon kingdoms met to argue about what they were up to. Is that true or is that another of your Welsh mythical books that you, well, you, you, you've decided are true? The, uh, the idea that Runnymede is... So, so we're at Runnymede. Runnymede. We're That's at Runnymede. what we should say. We should say we're at Runnymede. We're in the bit of the book, near the end of the book. Yeah, where, where Beverly um, is basically taken being exchanged. as a swap. Mm. Obviously, the main thing that Runnymede is associated with is the signing of Magna Carta. That's right. By King John and the nobles. Mm. But the reason they came to Runnymede was that this was the traditional place where kings and nobles met. And the main reason for that, I think, must have been that this was at the joining point of Wessex, oh. Mercia, yeah. Kent and Sussex. Was okay. this, would, this would be sort of... The, it's like the, the five corners in Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> but did they know that? Did they know what? That it was like the five corners in Croydon? No, they no. knew what Croydon was back then. <laughs> Do you know why they didn't know that? Is they didn't have a county border consultant. Well, the other thing that's interesting about Runnymede, of course, yeah, it's it's sort of in Berkshire. Oh, here we go. But it's sort of not. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> this is, listener, this it's, is a running theme. If you go back over our podcast, the balkanisation of Berkshire. So you were is becoming a, a theme. You were speculating on the car on the way down that what they actually needed when they were all meeting to uh, that's thrash right. out. The boundaries between their realms. That's right. They would have a county border. Bring forth the Lloyd of Shepherd, because <laughs> <laughs> that's how they spoke. Anglo-Saxons, Historic. guardian of the county guardian borders. Of the county borders. The trudge is a short-legged Welshman. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, short, fat Welshman comes out. Yakida, yakida, dioch. But um, this is amazing. So we're sat in the exact place in the book where. This all happens. Yeah. We can see the priory, the remains of the priory. We've got the ancient yew tree behind us. And running, and we're here on a sort of late afternoon in November. The sun, there's clear sky. And it's very, 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 very vibey. In terms of um, our author, I, I give him high praise for this one. Well, the reason we like this very much is that he does not approach this area as you would expect. No, that's right. Um, we came up a road called High End Road. Yeah. Where it's fair to say the well, the locals were not particularly welcoming. Mm, they don't like you parking they outside like their parking. drive. It's a very narrow road. No. Uh, a lady of a certain age yeah. came out of her front door and said, you're going to be long. Yeah. I so, said, I was going to say, yeah, about 2,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> Although, as I say, what I was saying to you, I'm getting the, I'm getting the vibe that Peter Grant, the hero of this story, he'll just drive wherever he likes and park wherever he likes. Peter Grant, he parks where he wants. But this is excellent. This is a great, and also this is a great, you know, we joke about taking you to places that are a little bit weird and off the beaten track. But if you're coming to England, particularly from America, I would say, and you you don't come to Runnymede, you're you're missing out. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's really beautiful and it it is important. Yes, that's true. Historically, a very it feels there's lots of old trees here. It feels old, doesn't they it? All bore witness old. To, hmm? They've all borne witness. They're they're witnessing us now to history. They're seeing, they're looking down on us. This, this is, is where the ancient podcasters gathered yeah. on a bench near an old yew tree. Yeah. We don't use the term podcast anymore. No. You may have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I found particularly funny talking about new media is that we went under the yew tree and you immediately started speaking to somebody who was shooting a VR project underneath the yew tree. They're scanning the tree. Scanning the tree. They're doing um, photogrammetry and LIDAR scanning of the tree. Those so are soon wo- this tree will Those be... are words and sounds. I don't know what they mean. But <laughs> no, but it means it's creating a 3D model of the yew tree, so what is I'm actually ho- quite a difficult thing to do. What I'm hoping is there's a Magna Carta shoot 'em up game being planned. 
Oh, that'll be good. And this is where, you know, this is where they escape. Well, I'm to. hoping he's going to put it on Sketchfab and then we can all download it and have our own new trip. Please. Just making words up now. I, was, I said to you, I was, I was quite keen to pretend that, uh, hello, I'm, I'm the immersive police force. <laughs> Do you have a license for this scan, sir? Well, I've very much enjoyed going to Runnymede. I've that, never been uh, there before. That uh, discovery of the place with the tree and ruins of the Priory was one of our little curiously specific moments, I find. Yes. Well, I'm starting to like him more for okay. the locations he's taking us no, to. No, uh, his locations are very, very specific. And interesting. They are interesting. The rivers of London themselves as a concept. Very good very idea. Very interesting. Very so good idea. That is a good idea, to have the rivers of London as personalities and then be able to talk about the rivers of London, which I welcome you to do. You've got a big fat book I've got, there. Well, as, as we've been discussing, Tim... You know, You're a nerd. I'm a nerd Yeah, uh, about and, London And as soon as, and you, as, soon as this came up, you thought, great, I can go to the London Library so got and get the, a book about rivers, I got you? The Lost Rivers of London out yeah. there. London Library yeah, yeah, by Nicholas Barton and Stephen Myers. Yeah, okay. uh, they've got a very good diagram about where rivers come from in London. So London, as anybody who's got an allotment in South London, we both know this. Yeah. London sits on London clay, God, yeah. which is impermeable. Yeah, the the clay sits on top of chalk, yes, which is permeable. Yes, and then you've also got this strange thing in North London, the Hampstead Heath of Bagshot Sands. Oh, yeah. Is that the stuff they made sandbags out of yes, for the Blitz? exactly. So mm. it's, a, it's a geological feature. Right, there we go. Now, the rivers that flow into the Thames from the south and the north, so he mentions a few of the rivers in, in, in this book. He mentions the River Tyburn, which we can talk about. Well, she's about. quite a character, Tyburn, she's a, isn't she's she? She's quite a big character in yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. So I'll talk about the Tyburn. Yeah. Now, the, the source for these rivers is mainly springs at the point in which the, the chalk and the clay or the clay and the sands intersect. Ooh. And that's where the water can be forced up. He's doing some very heavy hand gestures hand here gestures at this here. moment, listening. Uh, he's, so, doing, he's doing a Magnus Pike. So, for example, yeah. should we talk about the River Tyburn? If you know who Magnus Pike is, you, you, you've got yeah. to be older than me. You just talk to yourself. I'm going to carry on. <laughs> so, the River Tyburn comes out rather interestingly at Shepherd's Well. Oh, where's that? It's mentioned in the book, actually. It's on the corner of Fitzjohn's Avenue and Akenside Road in Hampstead. Oh. And it's basically a spring where the chalk, so you've got the chalk underneath the clay. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. the clay and then the sands and the water gets forced up through the chalk and comes out at this point, at this intersection. And this is interesting because the fleet, because that's another character, the fleet. The fleet comes, further, is further, it comes from further out. Yeah, but, but I thought the Hampstead Ponds were made from fleet Actually, water. Maybe I'm wrong about it coming further out. Shall I tell you where the fleet comes from? You're well, throwing me now by adding in questions. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I, you, you wanted me to just talk to myself, but then I suddenly started well, listening to yourself. you. The River Fleet, um, they've got a different, different thing. So the River Fleet comes out at... No, but its headwaters are two streams on Hampstead Heath. Each vale of, which... of Health. Yes. Yes, so you're right. And that pond that we walk by in the Vale yeah. of Health for um, Crooked Heart, yeah. that's part of the fleet. Well, it's the same thing. It's the, it's the point at which these... If you ever go in the bathing ponds in Hampstead, you're basically swimming in the fleet. Yeah, you're swimming in the source of the fleet, which is but now the, a sewer. I didn't realise that the time to get you back on track, I'm, yeah. I'm always helpful here. Yeah. I didn't realise the Tyburn comes from more or less the same place. It does, it comes from the same place. The Tyburn flows down from uh, Hampstead Heath. Yeah. But then as long ago as the 13th century, yes. a conduit was struck. So you know all those places like Conduit Street and all those places. That's so why that they're was, called Conduit. Yeah, so a conduit was struck between the Tyburn and the city. So the Tyburn flows down yeah. and comes out in the river near Vauxhall Bridge. It's so basically like a canal. Well, no, for water. Oh, so right. they took it for water for the City of London. Piped it in. There had been a time when the Tyburn drained all the way down through Westminster. Yes. And so there's a lot of talk about Westminster Abbey having originally been on an island called oh. Thorny Island. And Thorny Island was made by two branches of the Tyburn spreading out. Isn't there a scene in Neverwhere where they're standing on an island or in, at the end of the book? Yes. And is that the island? Uh, I think it must be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything ending in EY or EA in London tends to be where an island was. So Putney, Battersea, hmm. Thorny Island, all these places. Okay. And so that whole area where Westminster is was very marshy. Yeah until they built this conduit into the city of London, and the Tyburn kind of dried up below there. Right. But it still comes out in Vauxhall, near Vauxhall Bridge. Just upstream of Vauxhall Bridge, you can see the Tyburn coming out. Oh. It also goes under Buckingham Palace. Does it Directly really? underneath Buckingham Palace. Oh, really? So that's why Ty, uh, River Ty in Is the book... Is that where Prince Andrew sneaks out at night? Yeah. 
She's quite classy, isn't she? She's quite sort of posh. She Thai. is, yeah. That's well, because that's the And she lives Palace in Swiss Cottage. She has a rather nice house. Yeah, and the, well, the Tyburn goes under Swiss Cottage. Ah, that's why she's got a fountain in the garden. She's got a fountain breaks, in the garden, she? yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, she gets quite annoyed so about it. So he's got yeah. that very good. Right, so that's very good. Very that's good again. All this river stuff is fascinating, mm-hmm. right? I can see... I noticed that Ben Arenovich says that his research for books is to go down as many rabbit holes as possible. Yeah. And I was thinking... Rivers, you, that book, that you've done that, haven't you? He researches quite carefully. I think he talks about. He's got a, a novella, uh, a Rivers of London novella, set in Germany. Wow! Uh, and he actually went to Germany and researched, spent time with the German police force, understood all their procedures. He does. He does research this stuff really carefully. He's yeah, a serious yeah, you can researcher. Tell. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. You see, we, the one river that I found that I was really interested in was the River Walbrook. Yeah, under the city. Yeah, but that, this business that nobody really knows. Where it starts, yeah, where it ends, yeah. that it changes its direction. Every time they dig down there, they find another tribu- you know, bit of it. Or, well, this or book, Losseries of London, is very dependent on kind of you know new buildings and stuff. They keep finding. I was going to say, but, the, but as a character, Walbrook would be. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming, assuming Walbrook would be the sexiest river, the one who like you don't quite know what she's up to and where she's been and where she's going. <laughs> Come on, I'm excited by Walbrook. <laughs> But she lives in the city. Yeah, but Beverly Brook, forget it. Walbrook, come on. (laughs) You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. If you want to listen to the second episode of our Rivers of London podcast right now, without any ads, you need to subscribe to our Patreon. Yes, for just £2 a month, you get early access with no ads to all our content. But uh, you also get maps. Oh, I'm drawing a map for this one, aren't you? Oh, so it'll be nice Damn one. It. Wow, tricky. tricky. All those rivers. Yeah. But you also get photos from our field trips and videos and all the lovely links and references. Uh, that's all available to you in, a, in an easy-to-read document. We should we should emphasise actually that we we do put up quite a lot of photos and video when we when we have it. Yeah, uh, we have got some lovely photos from our Rivers of London adventure. Uh, so head over to Patreon dot com, pay a very very tiny amount of money, two pounds a month for all this stuff, or you can pay five pounds a month and get access to our Discord server, where a group of like minded, let's be frank, book nerds, oh yeah, come together uh, and have uh, lots of conversations about the books we've done, the books we might do. And general chit chat, you know, of a bookish flavour. I'm looking forward to a conversation about rivers. I bet I bet they know quite a lot about rivers. Well, I'm quite interested in the how many of them are into this kind of stuff versus how many of them aren't into this kind of stuff. We might have a bit of a there might be a bit of a Hamilton ferry fight. Oh, that's quite a good idea. And then me and one other person will have to go into another room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And talk about the Mayor of Castle. And read improving literary (laughs) fiction to yourselves. Now back to the podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, 
That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. After we crossed the Staines Bridge... I found myself on an anonymous stretch of road with tall hedges and fences blinding me on both sides. I slowed down as we approached a roundabout and wished that I'd invested in a GPS system. Go left, said Beverly. Oh, don't Why? go right, because right takes me to Thorpe Park. <laughs> yeah. Why? You're looking for one of the sons of the old man, she asked. Oxley, I said. Then go left, she said, with absolute certainty. I took the first exit off the roundabout with that weird sense of dislocation that you get when driving under someone else's direction. I saw a marina on my left, bobbing rows of white and blue cruisers with the occasional longboat to break up the monotony. Is that it? I asked. Don't be stupid, she said. That's the Thames. Keep going straight. We crossed a short modern bridge over what Beverly assured me was Oxley's River and reached a strange little roundabout. It was like driving into the land of the munchkins, an estate made of little streets lined with pink stucco bungalows. We turned right, parallel to the river. I drove slowly in case some little bugger jumped out into the middle of the road and started singing. <laughs> well. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. I have to tell you, listener, I'm driving today. Tim brought me... I felt a strange sense of dislocation. Dislocation. You always I do. I had no idea where we were going. And he brought me into what can only be described as a fixed mobile home park. Yes. A quarter of a mile from Thorpe Park. Really? Fun fair. Yeah. It's right park. in the shadow of it, yeah. Right in the shadow of it. And we're standing on the other side of a narrow, winding brook, looking at the backs of, the, of these strange bungalows, which mm. are actually fixed mobile homes. Yeah. And it's absolutely bang on. <laughs> We've gone past a marina, yeah. we went over a little modern bridge, Yeah. and it, we're standing in... Where are we standing? We're standing in the Penton Park Estate, right? Yes. And it's the Penton Marina, the marina that's mentioned. It's one of those moments where you just follow the book's directions, and, you, and it's spot on. It's just absolutely nowhere you would ever think to go, unless you lived here. No, It's that's just not. True. It's not. It's not on any map, it's not signposted, it's like a weird little sleepy place next to this weird river which is actually you know they jump in the river Beverly and Oxley don't they they do and uh, it's quite a scuzzy river here because it's quite snarled up I wouldn't jump in there so this river was built by monks right or was paid for by monks they call it a leet yeah they basically dug it out from the Thames in a loop a loop of the Thames in order to get a bit of water to run their mills yep basically so it's actually called Abbey River it is officially on the map that's right it is Totally ignoring Thorpe Park, though. That's weird, isn't it? Because the roundabout he mentions, you come up to the roundabout, the Churchy Road from Staines, yeah. and there's a roundabout, and literally on your right-hand side is the main entrance to Thorpe Park, Yeah, which in the certainly in the summer would be rammed with cars. Well, and I'm assuming that all of Old Father Thames fairground folk... <laughs> That's where they'd be working, that's where, that's why they? they? That's why they're here. That's why they're living here. <laughs> they'd get regular work there, wouldn't they? Yeah. Maybe he felt that was too much of a distraction. I was looking at what was going on in 2009-10, around that period of like what was going on at Thorpe Park. Yeah. The saw, as in the movie S.A.W., saw oh, really? ride oh, open. That doesn't sound like fun. The year-round scare maze, saw alive, opens. And right. I was looking up people sort of remembering... The Scare Maze. I found an article in The Sun, of all places. Have you seen Saw? No, I, I don't like any it's of that really, stuff. It's really, really, really It was loved dark. by many, apparently. But yeah. it was located on an old Thorpe Park boat, which meant after a long period of time, the boat had begun to sink. Wow. Anyway, this is where Oxley lives, right next in to one of these, Thorpe Park. In one of these houses? Yeah, and he swims in that skanky old river. Do you think he's the one with the greenhouse, or...? There was one with a lot of statues, weren't there? Which I was thinking probably he'd have a lot of little statues of little water nymphs and stuff. Yeah. Don't you think? You know who used to own this land around here? No. Lord Lucan. (laughs) Wow. Someone else who has an affinity with water. Well, he escaped across the water. Or did he? Or did he? (laughs) Don't they reckon they found him last week? 
That's right. Some old guy. I think some guy with old old, old guy sadly, living in the outback or something. Well, I think he's sadly. It's also an old guy who's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or something. So he couldn't uh, even remember if he was Lord oh Lucan. God. Anyway, no. I think he was taken by the water nymphs in the Channel. Don't well, you think? It's the by way Poseidon's. It's the way you would have wanted to go. <laughs> Excellent location. Very good. Yeah, I'm not saying, listener, that this is one for the tourist trail. No. But if you're doing the Thames Walk... If you're a fan of the book... Yeah, then it's spot on. Absolutely I have to say, we've been looking a little about the fan sites. And they're obviously done by people who have never actually been outdoors, a lot of them. (laughs) So... (laughs) They, they they certainly haven't hung around the back end of people's houses yeah, with their microphones, <laughs> staring at the water, staring at their gardens. So here we are. Managed to con Tony. Whoa. But look, it's I've coming. got a wetsuit on. To come and join me in <laughs> the yeah, River Thames. This is pretty cool. And after work, swim not uh, what was it five minutes off the bottom of the M3. Absolutely lovely. Check this out. Boats and no traffic. Oh, that is nice enough to work swim, eh? You know, I was saying, I will be saying, generally in this book, that I find the whole last section of this book, which is essentially a description of a massive riot. Yep. I found it unbelievable yeah. and uh, slightly jumping the shark in terms of the whole fantasy thing. Yeah, it's and actually it's, incredibly prescient. Uh, yeah, because this is the year of riot, wasn't the it? The year of the London riots. Well, it's not just London riots, although there were well, a lot they started of in Tottenham, didn't they? It, yeah, but then they spread very quickly. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit like for a couple of days... London was you know, so Lord of Misrule. You know this this book is about very that. much about you know it, yeah. it felt like London had gone completely apocalyptically mad. The thing for me about this is that there's there's, there's an awful lot of rioting. Mm. I mean, an, a civil there's massive civil unrest. We haven't even started um, talking about the Occupy movement, which was the no, other thing well, that went Occupy on. St Paul's was a big thing in well, that would piss off the magic people, wouldn't it? And the Masons, if a if a bunch of squitty uh, millennials turned up complaining about banks then all the wizards and masons who would essentially run banks and churches would be very quite cross wouldn't they i think you're making a very unfair overlap between wizards and masons well i've i've I, masons, I'm, masons i'm on my third book masons are bankers <laughs> Ackroyd would wizards agree with wizards. me i think i think the wizards i think the river people and the wizards would have been right behind the occupy movement well i noticed that three or four senior people at st paul's did resign Charles Fraser over the fact, resigned. Uh, it wasn't just him because of the the government yeah. try, and the police trying to remove yeah. uh, the occupy movement from those tents outside there so yeah but the, uh, that's the priests they're not really masons are they and they're not really wizards are they uh-huh. Well, I think priests can be in wizards. Well, different types of priests. There are priests who are, there are priests who are wizards and there are priests who are masons. I put it that way. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go there, but that's I like, good. I like this. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> in my legendarium. Yeah, exactly. I imagine you like. It's a bad year for Doctor Who 2011. Oh, why? The Brigadier and Sarah Jane Smith both died. Oh, yes. Oh uh, wow! Nicholas Courtney and Elizabeth Slade. Even I know who both he, died they in, are. In, oh, yeah. in, uh, um, in terms of sort of nerd culture, mm-hmm. I feel that it might have been—I don't want to call it a liminal year. Yeah. But uh, uh, I prefer to think of it as a year of transition. Okay. So the last Harry Potter movie, the Deathly Hallows Part Seventeen. Part Seventeen, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was finally, finally dispatched. Finally, finally finished. Yeah. So that's the end of the Harry Potter. Thing. Well, it isn't, is it? And then what's what comes? What gets launched that year? Don't know. Minecraft. <laughs> okay, really? Yeah. So right. the, you could say that one generation, the Harry Potter generation, that's the end of that. And then the Minecraft and generation, the, the baby Minecraft generation, is just getting going. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I think that's. I know what, which one you prefer. The baby Minecraft. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've actually um, taken part in a uh, drama in inside Minecraft. Have you? A live piece of theatre inside Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. I mean, an audience of about five. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kids are getting on having fun. Yeah, yeah. I saw that over I there. I sold prats. <laughs> I sold prats. What are those pedos doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> 
We're putting on a theatre piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was interested in publishing. I was very interested to see that that was when Fifty Shades of Grey came was, out, yeah. and that, that several volumes of that. Well, I think it's yeah. interesting that E.L. James, as an author, she's that she becomes the sort of poster girl for that idea that you can write your own fan fiction. Yes. Uh, and put it out on Kindle versions yes. and charge it whatever you like. And what what flavour of fan fiction was it? Was it? I can't remember what. It was a Twilight knockoff. Twilight. To start with. The Twilight was, was really Twilight. big. Twilight. Twilight was really big. So it was sort of uh, vampire porn. Vampire and werewolf porn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or erotica, let's call it that. But uh, that idea of new models of publishing, I, I imagine Ben Arenovich was really into that, and in terms of his bookshop and thinking about his transmedia empire of. Yeah. Audio books, graphic novels, key rings. I think he's a book guy, isn't games. he? More than a Kindle guy. I think he probably likes his books. I think he likes the idea of IP. So I think he probably, him and E.L. James might get on in a weird way. <laughs> I think, e. James I think they should get quite together. A, quite a difficult individual. <laughs> they should get together and write a book. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. What spurred on Rivers of London? Was it, I've got to stop stacking books in a yes, water basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, so, sorry. It, it, it sorry. was a number of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I finally realised uh, about five, six years after my last credit that I probably was never going to get employed as a TV writer again. Right. So I thought, well, that's it, really. You're just going to give up. You might. And then I was shelving books. I was in Waterstone shelving books in my section. I ran science fiction and crime. And I noticed that I was shelving books by people who hadn't been shelving in the beginning of the year. And all these people have been published since I started working here. Therefore, it must be really easy to get published. <laughs> Nightingale threw the jag into a right-hand turn that I hadn't even noticed, and suddenly we were racing through pitch darkness, jolting along a track with gravel pinging off the bottom of the chassis. A sudden turn to the left, and we were running right along the water's edge, following the river as it curved north again. A line of cabin cruisers was moored close to the opposite bank, and beyond them I could see yellow flames. Our burning boat. Yeah. He's um, driving. He's gone cross country. He's gone off road. He's gone off road. I told seriously. you, they're reckless drivers. This, this is Nightingale driving. Yeah, but even, I mean, he's, this is the chief wizard. Everybody in this book drives very badly and, and goes wherever they like, whenever they like. Very badly, very badly. <laughs> I think it's very irresponsible public. So message. the uh, the boat that is on fire, yeah, is Hamilton's ferry. It does say that. It says, um, I looked ahead and saw figures caught on the fringes of our headlights. I called it in to TW1, confirmed suspects on the south bank near... Where the hell are we? Hamilton's Ferry, said Nightingale. So that's it. So we are sitting on the south bank yeah. uh, of Hamilton's Ferry. In the dark. Unfortunately, we've come in November, so it's not running. Well, that's weird, isn't it? The only month that it's not running... It does seem to be. ...is, uh, is November, and we're, we're here, and it's, we can't get across. But so we are about a mile upstream from Richmond Bridge. Yeah. Is it upstream or downstream? It's, it's upstream, upstream, isn't it? Because yes, Kingston's right. that way. Yeah. Uh, a mile upstream from uh, uh, sitting by the side of the Thames mm-hmm. on, on a beautiful, calm November evening... It's about five o'clock. It's just getting dark. Well, it's gone dark, really, isn't it? It's quite moody, isn't it? And it's quite lovely. There's a few people riding along the path, along the side of the river, walking in the evening. The owls. Dark, we've heard some owls. It's rather nice. And this is the scene of a major fight between two rival gangs of... uh, Well, the men and the women. The men and the women of the the rivers. So, um, Hamilton's Ferry. Yeah, what do you know about it? Quite interesting. So sailing on demand from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. And it's run by a father and son team. Yes. Francis, Francis and Andrew Spencer, run by the Spencer family. Oh, right. Okay. And they've been running it since 2003. Francis had been drawn to the area because it was a setting for some of his favourite memories. He grew up with Roger Daltrey and, and fell in love. and fell in with the band, Daltrey began singing for The Who. So he was a mate of Roger Daltrey's growing up. How do you mean he fell in love with Roger Daltrey? No, he grew up with Roger Daltrey and fell in with the band. Oh, sorry, I thought you said he fell in love with Did Roger I say Daltrey. fell in love? I, did, I might have done that. <laughs> I'll say that again. Francis had been drawn to the area because it was the setting for some of his favourite memories. He grew up with Roger Daltrey and fell in with the band. Ah. Daltrey began singing for The Who. Ah. And The Who would have played at Eel Pie Island. Which is just round the corner. Which is just... It's not the only rock reference to Hammerson's Ferry, though. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So thanks to an occasion when one of the British monarchs of the early 20th century, probably over the 7th, caught the ferry and took a shine to Mr. Hamilton, who was the original proprietor, who set the ferry up, the business was granted a royal warrant and to this day can't be moved on. So it has to stay there because it's got a royal warrant. But the all-important piece of paperwork itself, the royal warrant, rests outside the possession of the Spencer family. That man, Hamilton... Yeah. This is uh, Francis speaking again. That man, Hamilton, was actually the granddad of Phil Collins. Oh, you're kidding. The ex-Genesis drummer. Phil rang me up once. Yeah. He said, I've still got your royal warrant, but you can't have it. Oh, nice. Nice. Charming. Yeah. So So you're saying that basically Phil Collins' granddad used to run that ferry Exactly. Is that right? Phil Collins' granddad used to run that ferry. It was Mr. Hamilton. Oh, no. So Mr. Hamilton was Phil Collins' granddad. Wow. If I, if only I was quick-witted, I'd have a lyric for that, but I can't think of one well, right now. Well, the only thing I was thinking was, isn't there a story that In the Air Tonight, the, the Phil Collins song, yeah. is about him watching someone push someone into a river? What? Well, I read somewhere, because someone, someone said, what's, what's going on? You know, I, 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 you know, I've seen what you did. I saw it with my own two eyes. There's and one I, story I, I read see it coming that, in the air tonight. No, there was one the story. Hamilton Ferry. <laughs> well, there's one story that someone who sees someone pushing someone in the river, and I wondered if it's off the Hamilton Ferry. That's ridiculous. It's, it's anecdotes like that that means we've got so many younger listeners. Who's <laughs> Phil Collins? I've got so down on this whole thing that I've started criticising his driving. I need to, but I need, I, I, I need a talking to. I need to perk up. I didn't, I didn't dislike this book as much as it sounds. No, I know. And yeah, I love the, the trip we've just been on, listener, where we go from the source of the Thames all the way back down to Richmond yeah. and stop off at various tributaries or by the Thames or just on the Thames. It's fantastic. They're really great and they're full of interesting stories, apart from obviously the, your Genesis story. That was a good story, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to throw light onto the magic or anything, but obviously we are slightly playing to character on this one in terms of you're a, you're a denier and I'm a lover. Um, but yeah, no, I thought the Hamilton Ferry was great. We went in the dark as well, so it was the lights of the, were coming in on along the Thames. It was very moody, wasn't you it? You can imagine a fight going on there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's perfect location yeah. again. They're all, they're all great locations. They are really good locations. We're coming back in a week's time for part two of this podcast, which is Caesars Going to London. Uh, unless you subscribe to our Patreon page, we can listen to it right now without any ads. That's right. And what we're going to do is we're we're now in the uh, Mar Thames area rather than the old Father Thames area. Yeah, we're below the Teddington Lock. We're going to start at Covent Garden where the book starts and ends, really, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, we are. Uh, it's, and which is a place full of history, which we will be talking about. And also we'll need to talk about Punch and Judy because Mr Punch's turns out to be the main criminal in the whole book, right? Yeah, so we've had a Genesis reference and then we'll have a Marillion reference. Oh, yes. Yes, I see what you've done there. How very clever of you. Uh, we're going to try and find the Folly. The uh, Folly. Which is the headquarters of magic yeah. in London, if you didn't know. Since 1775, yeah. in quotes. Yeah. And then we're going to head out and go and try and find Mar Thames' apartment in Wapping. Which is in Wapping. As our final thing. So we will have gone from the source of the Thames to right out to the Thames at Wapping. Yeah, all in two episodes. And excitingly, we're going to finish next to the best pub in London. Finishing at a pub. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.